I think the biggest myth, I guess I represent the nonprofit world for to some extent. I guess the biggest myth about nonprofits is that they're inefficient and not interested in uh, in in, in um, uh, business uh, approaches, uh, tried and true business approaches. Uh, it's wrong because they actually are um, extremely most of most nonprofits strive to be as uh, as organized and as as uh, clear headed and uh, as plan oriented as possible. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Expert. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups in the seven and eight figure businesses, as well as a founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Now, today we've got another great uh, guest on the podcast, Ramin uh, Sedahi, and that's as close as I'll probably get to pronouncing it right. Uh, but uh, Ramin, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, strategic transformation and what that means and how you go about doing it. Um, also looking at uh, uh, how it relates to, uh, to doing nonprofits and uh, also uh, in the bigger picture, dealing with the uncertainty and, and complexity of business and uh, also uh, how you prepare yourself, you know, both the, the structure of the business and, the, the mind, and your mindset for that un uncertainty and uh, complexity. So uh, should be uh, some uh, great uh, conversation and uh, definitely excited to have you on. And with that much as an introduction, welcome on the podcast, Ramin. Well, thank you very much, Devin. And it's great to be here again and uh, have an opportunity to chat about a bunch of things. Uh, just a few things about myself so folks know kind of where I come from. Uh, I have uh, spent probably 35 years uh leading organizations, um, higher education, um, academic medicine organizations, so mostly all in nonprofit sector and, uh, and also NGOs. And uh, over these years, I've had the great fortune to work with some fantastic people who are very committed to our communities and, and the world at large. And uh, so it's always humbling to be able to talk a little bit about some of the some of the things that we've been able to do. So I'm looking forward to that conversation. Awesome. Well, uh, definitely a, a great introduction, and excited to have you on and uh, and uh, have a good discussion. So, um, so with that kind of you know maybe the the point to start out with was in uh, one that we talked a little bit before the podcast was uh, with regards to uh, strategic uh, transformation. And, I think that's, you know, something that people could maybe uh, guess at a bit as to what it means or what it might entail, but maybe to, to help out the audience, uh, give us a bit of an idea of what does that mean and uh, how do you go about doing it? Great, great. Uh, I think it's a topic that a lot of people have on their minds, which I thought would be helpful for this conversation. Uh, you know, we hear the word strategic all the time. Everyone wants to be strategic. I don't think anyone says, I don't want to be as strategic. Businesses, nonprofits, uh, entities, organizations, they all have this affinity for the word strategic. Uh, but what does it really mean? Um, in, in some ways, uh, it's, it's translated into plans and uh, and very complicated uh, charts and what have you. And, and really, I, I, I think, the simplest way to think about it is, is doing, saying you're going to do something X. And that is a, that is your strategy. 
Now, what is often missing in a lot of strategic conversations is what you're not going to do. Because if you're trying to be strategic, then there are things you won't do. So that's one of the first really steps is to kind of hone in on what is it that you want to do and accomplish um, as a as an entity. Transformation is another word we love to use. We love to use the word transformation because it it sounds really good. Uh, it uh, it gets people excited, but transformation really is about changing direction. It's about doing something different than you were doing before. It's not doing what you're doing much better. That's 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 something else. But to to really change, to really go from uh, a a startup, for example, just looking at the wall behind you, a startup. Um, uh, has a transformational moment when it decides to become a company versus a IP that it sells to, um, you know, the, the highest bidder. So that's a transformational moment. That is now at that moment that the, the, the group of four or five people have gotten together are now making a decision about what is it we're going to be 10 years from now or five years from now or whatever their time frame that they would like to see um, uh, appreciable progress. So I think part of what I help a lot of organizations and, and where I've been is to first define the words so that we're all on the same page. And transformation begins with a vision. So you have to have a vision. You have to say, not just like, here's what we're doing, we're going to do it better, but here's a vision of where we're going to be. We're going to be a, uh, uh, you know, a 200-person company building this and that and that. Um, serving these communities or these markets. And um, and then, um, then a, a very easy step is to create a framework. So with all transformation, or with really with all um, large-scale action, a framework really helps us. So when we were, for example, at Chemists Without Borders in this last year, as we were working through our strategic transformation, we build a framework around four components, service, innovation, education, and connection. So this, in a way, becomes what we're driving toward. It's, it's, if you want to think of it as the, as the four pillars that hold up the house that we're trying to build. So instead of plans, which have a long time to, to come to fruition, have a lot of conversations around them, lots of people are needed. Focusing more on a framework uh, allows everyone to be much more constructive in a, in a faster time frame. Another step in the transformation process is values. So that's part of the other aspect, is what are the values that we hold dear in our organization? And that is kind of the guardrails, if you will, that allows you to move forward without falling too far out of um, out of your um, uh, expected values. So that's part of um, uh, what it takes with strategic transformation is to really think very carefully about the initial stages as opposed to just, it's a job, let's get it done, let's just put something on paper, let's move forward. It actually is very fundamental to everything that's going to happen after it. Now, one of the things that you said that I thought was interesting is, you know, even within the, you know, looking at strategic and looking at that, it's as much as what you don't do is, you know, where you don't, you know, you don't, is uh, you don't do or you don't say or you don't uh, take action on is what you do. 
Now, how do you go about deciding, you know, give me, maybe help us uh, understand that a bit more, kind of give us an example as to what are some of the things maybe you shouldn't do or that you should uh, exclude or shouldn't consider? Yeah, exactly. So um, it, that's that's actually much harder to do than than because everything that an organization has been doing has some uh, uh, has some advocates. So that's one of the challenges. So it has some advocates. It has advocates that uh, have been doing that, have invested in that, perhaps have been coming in to uh, to to work on that, and um, that's a challenge. So, for example, at uh, Chemists Without Borders, one of the strategic aspects for us was, well, there's a lot of issues with humanitarian uh, in, uh, in the humanitarian crisis that faces many, many communities. Um, but we can't be we can't do all of them. So we had people working on 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 air quality issues. We have people working on um, on environmental and sustainability issues. And what we have decided as a strategy, a strategic focus, is we're going to focus on water quality. So that is a, that is a focus. Now, that I can't tell you that everyone loves it. I can't tell you that we have people who are saying, wait a second, we should be working on some of these other things. But that is part of the hard part of um, strategy. You already, for example, in your business, you've already decided that you're in IP business. You've strategized. You're not doing other stuff. So, um, but it, but imagine you came into a firm that was doing many different uh, aspects of law. They were specializing in many different aspects of law. And part of your job was to strategize toward one or two areas. So uh, there has been an old adage that says the status quo has an army of defenders. So uh, that army of defenders of the things that have been going on are part of what a strategist has to be aware of and work with um, as they're trying to focus the organization, create that strategy. No, it makes, uh, makes perfect sense. Now, walk us through a little bit, because you talked, and you've already touched on it and hit on it, that if you're to go down the route of, you know, nonprofits, is that impacted or changed things or adjusted at all when you're looking at how you might do that strategic transformation? Is it the same as for-profit businesses? Is there any different considerations to take into account? There are there are there are many similarities, but there are some differences. Nonprofits, or another word that we often use for nonprofits, we call them mission-driven organizations, have missions, and and missions are often very um, very uh, amorphous and very uh, messy things. Like, how do you know you've done enough good? How do you know you've educated enough? How do you know when you have uh, reached? Uh, uh, or solved some humanitarian problem because humanitarian problems by nature do not have a solution. They do not get solved. We don't solve poverty. We don't solve uh, um, uh, hunger. We intervene and make some things better. So part of the challenge that nonprofits have is figuring out how to strategize on their mission, which best way to do that is to narrow your mission so that you can actually be successful in, in the areas that you are focused on, which is, as I said earlier, for example, we are focusing on water, not that other problems don't exist. For-profits have a different problem, which is that there are many ways to make money. So um, which way do you want to make money? Which way do you want to be, what are your other values that you're trying to accomplish? So 
for for profits, really the the question becomes, how do you strategize on the values that you want to bring to your community? And that allows you to be to say no to some things because they don't add value to the to what you're trying to do. Um, and now now again, this is a challenge. Privately held companies have an easier time doing this because it really is a is you know one or two or three owners who are basically making a decision. Publicly held companies have a harder time as shareholder value becomes more critical um, to the decision making process. Uh, thus, you know, values and other um, factors have to adjust to that. But again, I think it's about it's about saying, okay, so what are, what do we really want to be the best at, and uh, and how do we get there? No, makes makes sense, and uh, it's definitely some uh, good things to to consider and uh, bring in the perspective as far as uh, the you know the, some of the differences between the the nonprofit and the for profit type of uh, or endeavors. So. Well, along those lines, but uh, maybe, uh, you know, uh, shifting gears just a little bit, because another one of the areas that uh, we touched on a bit before was, you know, as you're going into a business, whether it's a nonprofit, for-profit, or whatever type of business it is, um, there's always uh, the issue or issue or requirement that you have to deal with uncertainty and complexities of the business, which is part of the, the nature of doing a business. And yet I think, you know, sometimes that can be more difficult, whether it's how you structure the business to incorporate, you know, to anticipate that or to be flexible to it or to adjust your own mindset to not always having the the answers and the, not everything not being straightforward. But how do you go about kind of, you know, preparing yourself, the mindset and the business um, for that uncertainty and the complexity? Um, yeah, so. Uh, this is really an important point that, that we are all facing because of something that happened a couple of years ago with the pandemic. It was the biggest uncertainty ever thrown into any any aspect of our business world, our our organizational world, uh, in the modern in the modern times. And um, we've had recessions and we've had other economic crises, but this was something very very different. This was a health crisis, a economic crisis, a uh, organizational crisis. Um, so, you know, military has a term that they have coined uh, called VUCA, volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and adversity, that they basically um, make their plans around. And, it, and this has made its way to the business world. Um, I, I guess I like to think of it slightly differently that, that uncertainty exists all the time. We don't really know what the future is going to be. There are no experts on the future, as they say. We make assumptions about uh, past um, trends, and we move forward with future uh, plans. Uh, what we found during the, um, both as management leaders and, and others, what we found uh, in, the, in the crisis were organizations who did some of this better than others, who came out of um, uncertainty of the, co uh, of the pandemic better than others. What did they have? So, um, Organizations that are extremely top-down, where the knowledge and expertise sits at the top, generally did the worst, because there was, this is one of the factors about uncertainty is no one knows. So expertise doesn't play as big a role um, as, as, um, as, for example, organizations that have more of a matrix or matrix structure, where they were able to 
benefit from multiple perspectives and multiple um, local uh, views of what's going on. The other aspect is uh, that I think it's very critical. In fact, one of my books that I've written is about uh, emotional maturity and, and leadership is emotional maturity of an organization. To what extent trust exists? To what extent uh, um, courage exists within an organization? And courage as defined by the willingness to try things, not talking about people standing in front of another military taking shots. It's really simply the willingness to try things. To what extent um, uh, does humility exist within an organization? The, 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 the knowledge that you don't know everything and thus you're open to learning from, from, from others. And to what extent um, is there confidence in the people who are working together? Um, there is a term called, uh, um, that, that deals with uh, how well can people face uh, and discuss ideas without the fear of, of consequences that changes one group from another, a group that is willing to throw ideas out and have them heard is going to have many more ideas than a group that throws ideas out and somebody says, nope, we're not gonna do that. No, that can't happen. No, that's, that's a stupid idea. Hopefully nobody these days uses those, those phrases, but it, it happens even without using the phrases. You just look at the eyes. One of the things I do when I go into a new organization to diagnose kind of problem is, is I sit around and see what happens when people when I ask people questions in a v, in a group of VPs. If they look at the boss before they answer, I can tell you that there is uh, very little trust there. Um, if they can just answer and and be you know without without doing that, that that tells me okay, well there's some basics there. The the other um, aspect which I want to talk a little bit about. It's about a movement away from management to leadership. Now, let me try to first say why this is necessary. We have confused and confounded the management and leadership words together. We use them all the time. And we don't really mean what we are saying. We'll call many organizational managers leaders and, um, and leaders managers. And they're not always the same thing. So uh, a management is a position, is a position that someone has either gotten, been given, or is the owner. Leadership, on the other hand, is something that one earns. It is, it is something that is not tied to a position. Of course, if you're the CEO, you have a great opportunity to also be a leader, but it does not mean you are one if you don't behave as such. So in uncertainty and volatility and complexity, leadership is what matters much more than management because management is about a defined set of outcomes, is about a defined process, is knowledge-based and expertise-based. Well, in uncertainty, there is no knowledge, right? Imagine you're, you're in the middle of a, you know, an airplane and, um, yeah, there's the pilot and, and the folks in the in the cockpit, but out in the in the uh, main cabin is basically there are no experts. Everybody is just the same. But who is going to take leadership? Who is going to do something about improving? Um, so it's not a position, it's but rather the ability to take that. Now, how? Why does that matter in uncertainty? 
Leadership matters because leadership is primarily about relationships and people. And, and, and let me say this again. It really is about relationships and people. It's not about things. Leaders don't really focus on the things. They're focusing on, on each person, their connection to another person, and their connection to an ideal or an action or an orientation. And that, that's why in uncertainty, it's so important. Leadership in a, in a military sense is, is critical because if, if the soldiers don't feel that their captain on the field has leadership qualities, it, they, they don't have to pay attention to that person. You know, the chain of command breaks down. And um, so the, the critical aspect is, is this separation that an individual who's perhaps been functioning in a management role, but now they're thrown into uncertainty, has to kind of change their mindset. You said this yourself at the beginning. You have to change your mindset. You have to really think about um, the issues in front of you more from the people perspective than from, okay, what do I know? How do I get the most out of these people? How do I get them to tell me what they know? And that's what... That's what begins. Many of the great innovative ideas that happened during the pandemic came from line workers, people who are, you know, who are out there who say, well, you know, we can do this. We don't have to, you know, we can get this part from this area. That become, that's because they each of those people took some leadership role. So that's kind of what I, I think can really add value to an organization that is going through uncertainty is to is to change their mindset, change the dynamics of the organization so that they can get more information coming in, more people engaged, and 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 have a spirit of uh, experimentation because uncertainty means that, you know, you don't know what's going to work, so try a bunch of different things and and see what works. No, I think that's uh, definitely some great uh, piece of advice and guidance and takeaway and with that, we're already reaching towards the end of the podcast, and I feel like we've already or we've only just barely scratched the surface. So we're definitely going to have to have you back on and uh, here continue continue on with the conversation and have a a good discussion. But uh, but for uh, today's episode, I do always like to wrap up uh, the ep each episode with the same question. So we're going to jump to that now, uh, which is uh, if you're to you know go to your industry and uh, look at it, what is the biggest myth and why is it wrong? I think the biggest myth, I guess I represent the nonprofit world for to some extent. I guess the biggest myth about nonprofits is that they're inefficient and not interested in uh, in in, in um, uh, business uh, approaches, uh, tried and true business approaches. Uh, it's wrong because they actually are um, extremely most of most nonprofits strive to be as uh, as organized and as as uh, clear-headed and uh, as plan-oriented as possible, um, it's wrong because efficiency means something different. Imagine if a fire department was efficient. Now, if it was a business, it would say, "I'm sorry, Devin, your house is ten miles out of our efficient radius of dealing with a fire and getting back to the fire station within the minutes that we are required to be back." because we have to be ready for others. So you would 
they wouldn't be at your house. Or we can only spend 25 minutes at your house because that's the amount of time that we have. Uh, we kind of see this a little bit in uh, in healthcare, where I'm sure, all, with a few exceptions, perhaps uh, we all have fairly tough interactions in the healthcare system. We, you know, we see the doctor for three minutes, if that long. We are very impersonable because efficiency in nonprofits can go very wrong very fast. And um, so I think the biggest myth is that they're not efficient or they're not agile. Uh, they're they're agile in a different way. I know universities, for example, right now are under fire, a lot of stuff uh, that we read in the news. But if you think about it, it's an industry that's been in business since the 12th century in the modern era. Uh, there was universities in the prehistoric times, um, uh, 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 BC time. But since 12, you know, what, what business do we have that's been the same since the 12th century that's been in business. So many of the universities in this country have been have been around uh, for 350, uh, 400 years. So there is a different goal with nonprofits, which is often misunderstood by for-profit mindset. And that's, I love to, I love to always uh, expand on that so that people can see that, no, they're just, they're there for a different purpose, and they have a different longevity that uh, that that we're looking at. Awesome. Well, definitely uh, a great myth to dispel, and also uh, a, a great amount of insight. So, uh, thank you for walking us uh, through that. So, so with that, now as we uh, do wrap up the episode, if people want to reach out to you, they want to be a customer, they want to be a client, they want to be an employee, they want to be an investor, they want to be your next best friend any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you, contact you, find out more? You can con contact me on my LinkedIn or you can contact me on ramin.sedehi at gmail.com um, and uh, would love to continue the conversation with you. Awesome. We'll definitely encourage people to reach out, support great. a great business and uh, if nothing else, uh, make a new best friend. Great. So with that, thank you great. again, uh, Ramin, for uh, coming thank on the, the podcast and uh, with that, uh, or now for all of you listeners are out there, if you can help us to share these uh, journeys uh, with even uh, more startups and small businesses with expertise to help them along their journey to success, uh, make sure to click share, subscribe, leave us a review, helps us to reach even more startups and small businesses uh, along their journey to success. And on that note, if uh, along your journey, you ever need help with patents or trademarks or anything else with your startup or your small business, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat. We're always here to help. Well, thank you again for coming on the podcast and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Great. Thank you very much.